good morning and welcome to the Men's Leadership Network. Welcome to all the satellite campuses meeting springs at Bricks, as well as downtown at Flavor Catering. We're glad you're here today. Uh, before I introduce our speaker, I want to remind everybody that at the end of the interview, we'll have the opportunity to take questions. If you'd like to tweet, tweet in a question, you can do that at, at leadership underscore net. Or if you would like to email a question in, you can do that at questions at mensleadershipnetwork.com. This morning, it's my privilege to introduce Tim Burke. Tim serves as the Vice President of Business Development at First Choice Loan Services, which is a subsidiary of First Choice Bank. He leads the Costco Mortgage Services platform for FCLS, which services 81 million Costco members across the country in all aspects of home lending. Tim is originally from Detroit, Michigan. He later attended Baptist Bible College in Springfield, Missouri. Prior to uh, joining First Choice, Tim was the founder and CEO of Nationwide Lending Corporation in Irvine, California. It was there in Southern California where Tim met his wife, Colleen, and where they raised their children. The Burke family moved to Franklin, Tennessee in June of 2014. Please join me in welcoming Tim Burke. Wow. Those lights are powerful. I know. <laughs> Well, Tim, you've, you have a, a, an amazing story, and God's really had his hand on your life, and you've been very successful in, in different areas, and then uh, about four years ago or so, you received a diagnosis of, of cancer. Yeah. And uh, tell us about your life leading up to this diagnosis. Um, I'm not sure how far you really want to go back, but um, you know, I, I did grow up around the uh, Detroit area. Uh, one of those, you know, great childhoods where, uh, you know, you're uh, out all day until your dad whistles and brings you home. And, um, uh, you know, from, from Detroit, I uh, traveled and, and uh, attended Bible College in Missouri. Uh, ended up in California and um, got involved in the uh, mortgage banking field. Um, Started a company, uh, had a great run with that, and uh, had a change uh, in the industry that allowed me to, uh, to live uh, really wherever I wanted. And there, listen, California's great, but there are some unique challenges uh, with living there. And um, so we made the decision uh, to move to the south. My parents uh, retired in the state of Kentucky, um, and it was actually uh, there that, uh, that I was uh, diagnosed. But, uh, you know, a, a blessed life in, mm. in, in, in every regard. Uh, no health problems. Um, one of the things you know I want to talk about just is in terms of just practical prevention uh, for guys, but um, uh, never saw this coming. Never mm. saw this coming. Well, and you were successful. You had a successful company. You know, you've done well by the, by the world standards. You, you know, you're a great husband, great father, and this was just out of the blue. Um, so talk about the diagnosis. Talk about what happened there. Well, um, you know, as you can tell from my physique, I lift weights a lot, and um, uh, I, uh, you know, I've got a Bowflex that I've used for quite some time, and I started having some, uh, some back pain, and um, I thought that it was just related, you know, to the Bowflex, and, and being a, a typical guy and not wanting to go to the doctor, I fought it, fought it, fought it, um, and, you know, my wife, uh, you know, uh, threatened me into, into going, and so I, I saw a physician, and it was kind of a, you know, a whirlwind, because I, I'm not taking it seriously, right? I'm, I'm thinking, well, there's, there's something up with my back, 
and this was actually in the fall of um, uh, 2011. Um, humor is kind of my defense mechanism, so you know I, I uh, was kind of laughing my way through this, and um, uh, had some tests run. Uh, it got a little bit serious when you know they uh, the doctor asked me to go into a room and. And uh, next thing I know, uh, uh, there's a probe in me in a place that should never be in a man. And uh, uh, with uh, two women there, not exactly uh, my finest moment. Um, and about two weeks later, it was January 5th, 2012, I went into a doctor's office. Colleen was with me. And he uh, said, listen, um, you've got uh, stage four cancer, prostate cancer. Um, and immediately, uh, it's, it's incredible how just matter-of-fact they are. Like, you would think, right, can you hit the pause button and give me 30 seconds, you know? But immediately, he starts talking about, you know, treatment, which at that point was hormone therapy. And the way he was describing it, I was getting flashes of, am I going to be looking for clothes in my wife's closet? I, I, I really, I, I'm not sure what you're talking about here. And um, so he kind of walked me through it. And then... Uh, shuttled me to uh, a room where they did some x-rays and it showed that the cancer had slightly kind of metastasized uh, into, uh, into my bones. Wow. Yeah. So that initial diagnosis, what did you start to think about? How do I battle this? What was your battle plan for, for cancer? Well, you know, initially, and I think this is what most people do, um, I, I networked with people. I, I networked with people who had cancer, people that I respected, some uh, people that I knew that were in the medical field. But you, there's this, um, in, in my case, uh, it was a frantic reaction, but it was akin to, you know, Usain Bolt running the 100 meters in the wrong direction. I mean, I was sprinting but going in the wrong direction. and. Um, there's a balance to this, but initially it was, uh, you know, attack it with a microbiotic uh, diet, uh, change, you know, uh, supplements. Um, everything was focused on whatever it was that caused the cancer, it changed the internal environment. So, you know, you, you change your diet, you, you, uh, you work on these things, but uh, guys, it's exhaustive because it's it's never ending. And if you if you go that path, and that's where you're going to put all of your trust and your faith, then you know your friends are terrific and they're supporting you. But you get the wildest recommendations uh, on uh, stuff that you you got you think came out of a cartoon. Mm. So you know, again, people's intentions are great, but it's it's a never ending path if you're going to go that route. So initially, Jeff, it was. I attacked it that way, but I came to a point, and I can't tell you when it was, I, I can't tell you the date, I, I, but I know that I was in the book of Job, mm. and as I read through Job, it, the Holy Spirit spoke mm. to me, and, and, and I think this is, this is what people do. I was so focused on God healing it that I wasn't asking the question. And the question is, why did he allow it in the first place? Mm -hmm. And that's true in any type of adversity. 
when you get into it, there's this mad roadrunner scramble to get out of it, and you're praying to God to, to, uh, to remove it, but you're praying to the same God who allowed it for his reasons. Now, you think about just how backwards that is. So, in, you know, in, in reading Job, and certain things hit you in life, especially passages of Scripture based on the season of your life and the circumstances of your life, all of a sudden what jumped off the page in, in Job in, in chapter 1 and chapter 2 was, was God saying to Satan, have you considered my servant Job? It wasn't Satan saying, hey, I want at Job. It was God saying, hey, have you considered? Wow. And then, you know, I, I wrote this down, uh, Job 42, 11. Uh, then all of his brothers and sisters and all who had known him before came and, and uh, came to him. They ate bread with him in his house and they consoled him and comforted him. Now listen to this part. For all the adversities that the Lord had brought on him. Um, I, I want to be real clear about this, that God did not cause my cancer. Whatever the, my genetic makeup, whatever I was doing, um, that's what caused my cancer. But God has a sovereign choice. Everything passes over his hands, whether or not he's going to allow it or he's going to stop it. And in this case, God allowed the cancer for his sovereign plans. Um, as I've had time, and, and I was telling Jeff right before we started, I've been dealing with this for years, so it feels like I have my degree in this, right? Um, you think about the alternative. Well, if it crosses over God's hands and he approves it, how many times has God actually rejected something unbeknownst to us that we don't know anything about, that we won't know uh, until, until we see him? I'm, and I'm interested in that conversation because, you know, we tend to look at what God has approved, but we have no idea the magnitude of what he's rejected. Now, don't go... Going Oprah on me, all right? <laughs> all right. I've got allergies as it is, so you know my, my eyes are kind of watery. But if you go Oprah on me, we're gonna I'm gonna need a beach towel here for that. <laughs> well, I, I think you've hit on a huge point, though, Tim. Is this this whole idea of adversity, uh, and especially as guys, I mean, we we run hard. You know, yep. we want to provide for our families. We want to do those everything we can. And I mean, you've got middle schoolers. We got you know younger kids and. Uh, and so why do you think God allows suffering? Um, I'm going to refer to a passage, and, and I encourage you guys uh, to write some of these down because I, I've spent so much time searching, right? I would like all, all you guys to, to read through Job again just to understand God's sovereign nature. Uh, the second one uh, in answer to that question is uh, Paul in 2 Corinthians 12, um, verses 7 through 10, and here, Paul is pleading with God to remove a, a thorn in the flesh. Now, I'm not theologically not going to get into what that thorn in the flesh is, but he's pleading with God. And there's some, some takeaways uh, from this portion of Scripture that absolutely, as I look back, mm. I, I, I see it. And it's amazing how uh, answers come in the rearview mirror. They don't come in your windshield, right? And they always come in your rearview mirror. But the first one is um, humility. I mean, God uses uh, adversity. He uses suffering 
to humble us. Um, listen, uh, uh, cancer, uh, chemo, um, uh, I, I actually used to, you know, have that, uh, that big thing of hair spiked up and, uh, you know, suddenly one day you, you've got no hair, you've got no eyebrows. Um, I don't even have hairs in my nostrils. Go figure that one out, right? Um, but I don't know that, that humility, I think our speaker last week talked about this, I don't know that it's something necessarily that can be taught. Hmm. Um, it's something that you experience. But I came across a, a, a verse that I love and I want to share it with you guys. It's actually Matthew eleven twenty nine. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. I want to focus on the gentle and humble, humble in heart. Here Christ is, is describing, and as far as I can see, this is the only time, guys, in the New Testament where Christ describes his inner man, where he describes who he is, and he says, I am gentle and I am humble. So when we come around to those New Year's resolutions next year, there's two to peg up on the board for you, right? Um, I also think the humility thing, it, it's, it's terrific in business, right? Most people have read Jim Collins' book, Good to Great. And, and in Good to Great, there's a great description of level five leadership. Uh, and, and it's that rare combination of, of guys who are confident in their ability and their work but they carry themselves with an air of humility. Everybody loves being around people like that. That's why people love you. You know, you're tremendous, but you know, you're a humble guy. And so my first takeaway would be humility. Um, second would be, again, why is he allowed into our life? It, listen, it draws you closer to him. When you're stripped of all your self-sufficiency, I don't care if it's Tim Burke, and I don't know what happened at the end of Steve Jobs' life, but his money could not solve his cancer. So when you're stripped of that, you have nowhere to go but your knees. And that is part of God's intent. He wants the intimacy. He's going to draw you closer to him. Um, I've got more. Yeah. You, you okay? Yeah, keep going. This is great. Okay. I'm taking notes. All right. Um, third in that, same, in, that, in that same set of verses is... Adversity and suffering display God's grace, his generosity. Uh, I didn't fully understand grace until I went through cancer. But uh, grace, uh, the word grace appears some 155 times uh, in the New Testament. And when you face it, you're going to ask for God's grace, his generosity, his love, his provision, to rain down on you, and it, fellas, it is unlimited, his grace. Um, about a little over a year ago, I, I was starting uh, my first round of chemo, and I remember thinking, you know, you see, you know, the terrible effects that, that chemo has on people, and uh, I'm thinking at the beginning of the year, God, how's this going to work? I mean, how am I supposed to run this channel of business for the bank, right? serve the Costco members, do what I have to do, uh, my family, um, knowing it's going to affect me physically, it's going to affect my energy, how am I supposed to do this, right? Fast forward to the end of the year, um, our branch, our platform 
had a record year, record year. Uh, we were up 140%. We did over a billion dollars in home loans for Costco members. It was like, there's God. There's God. Um, the last one, and, and it's just as important, is the, the why is answered in God's power in your life. Again, when you're stripped down to nothing, when you're reduced to absolute zero, that's where you see God's power. That's where God, that's where God steps in. And make no mistake about it, God does his best work, fellas, in broken people. Mm. Yeah. Wow. I mean, those are strong. I mean, that's, that's, Tim, this is, this is so good. How do, we, how do we make it through adversity? How do we, how do we press through suffering when it, when it comes? Uh, I was fortunate enough when I lived in California, I was a member of uh, Rick Warren's church, Saddleback, a great church, and it's part of the reason why I love it here, <laughs> love it here. Uh, there's so many parallels between the ministries. And Rick taught a series, and, and I encourage you guys to write this down. There are stages to grief, mm -hmm. and um, sooner or later, <laughs> you're going to deal with it, right? So here's the way the stages work. The first, when you get something, when you get some, uh, some difficult news, whether, I, I don't care if it's financial or you lose your job or you lose a, a loved one, you get a cancer diagnosis, um, you're going to go through shock, right? I, I did. You are. Second, you're, you're going to go through sorrow. There's going to be some tears. Um, third is struggle. You're going to be asking, you know, why me? What, what, what is this? What's this all about? Um, and this is written from a Christian perspective. Uh, fourth is you get to a point of submission to God. You surrender because you realize, I can't solve this. Um, next comes uh, a process of sanctification. You have sanctification in your life as a believer. You're going to have sanctification in this process where you're going to want to, you're, you're going to, I want to talk about your Bible in just a second, but you're going to want the growth happens as you search for answers, as you seek. Um, and then uh, six comes service. So as I sit here today, I, I've, I've run around the track. Right? And this is what I would like the rest of my life to be about, uh, is service. So when you ask why, and, you know, and, and then how, I mean, how we get through it, you're going to have to push through those, those six stages. And then uh, I've got some recommendations. Um, you, can, you can pray for peace, or, or you can worry. Right? You can do one or the other. Um, James 5.13, if anyone among you is suffering, then he must pray. There's your direction. Next, you've got to pray for wisdom. I mean, and again, James chapter 1, verses 1 through 11, here's your answers. But you're praying, God, give me the wisdom to be able to understand why you've approved this to come into my life. Help me to understand this. Now, sometimes I've, I've noticed that uh, I've been very transparent with my journey via social media. And, and, and stuff that comes kind of back channel through Facebook, through emails, a lot of it is, Jeff, people are praying, but 
I don't know if they're expecting God to take a crop duster and write in the sky or, uh, you know, send somebody on a hang glider with a note. But God is going to communicate, fellas, to you based on this. So it's a one-way dialogue if all that you're doing is praying. You've, you've got to turn to your Bible. You know, the, the, the reaction of most people is they get a bad diagnosis, they're going to run to the Internet and read everything in the world, and, and I encourage you not to do that. You could have a headache, and there's going to be, in five minutes, you're going to think it's terminal, right, on the Internet. So you can spend your time searching the Internet, or you can spend your time reading God's Word. Now, there's a balance. Listen, I've, I've, read, I've read the books, but what I'm saying is at the times of, in the last four years that I have been the most distraught over numbers and it's not going the right direction, only one thing brought me comfort, Jeff, and it was the Bible. Wow. That's, that's it. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. Well, you're right on, Tim. And a lot of times that's the last place we go, and yeah. yet it ought to be the first place, right? Right, right. Uh, where are you currently in your treatments? Is you... um, uh, in about two weeks, I'll go in, and it'll be uh, my 16th uh, chemo treatment. Um, I have, uh, the way they treat uh, prostate cancer is um, the initially, depending on how advanced it is, they'll start you with some hormone therapy, and then I've kind of cycled through that. Um, and... To, to attack it more aggressively. I, listen, I'm not young, but I was young to be diagnosed with this. This is usually something that happens in your late 60s, 70s. Um, they went to chemo a little over a year ago uh, to try and, 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 and push it back, push it maybe more into a, a dormant state. The first round uh, did not work, so now I'm on, on to round two. Um, The best case scenario for me is that uh, the cancer, it, I'll never get rid of it. It'll never come out of my bones. The best case scenario is that it's pushed back to a point where I can uh, live out my life, raise my children. Uh, a worst case scenario is that I, I cycle through the chemo, it, it doesn't work, and you know, at some point you go in and they start talking to you about hospice. So, um, uh, so far, you know, my body, I've been blessed with, um, it handles the chemo uh, fairly well. Uh, if you have somebody that is, is going through it, one huge thing that I recommend after 15 rounds of this is encourage them uh, 24 hours before and after just to pound the water because that really uh, dilutes some of the side effects. So if you know somebody, encourage them to do that. That's one thing that I've done, and it has helped me. But my body has, uh, so far, you know, has, has tolerated it uh, fairly well. And you have these treatments, and so this is round two, and, and uh, how long will this round two, does that go? Uh, there'll be ten. Okay. Right, so I've got, I've got uh, five more uh, you know, they've been uh, great working with me. You know, the, the, listen, you get cancer, you go through difficulty. Life goes on, fellas. I mean, bills got to be paid, right? It's not like anybody gives you a break. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I've been extremely blessed that I've got a company behind me uh, that is supportive uh, of what I'm doing. Uh, it changes everything in your life, right? Um, 
your schedules. I, I try to line up any travel that I have to do, you know, around week three. Uh, I'm doing this in three-week intervals. Usually by then, you know, I kind of got my, my mojo back. Uh, but, um, yeah, it, it, cancer is so individualized, mm -hmm. right? It, there's, it's, it's not like, uh, you know, buying a suit off the rack. It, it's, it's so tailored because what you bring in your whole medical history. The, the advantage that I had coming into this is that, it's like my doctor said, you're the healthiest guy I know that has cancer. Mm. So it, it's everything else. If you walk into this and you've got some other things going on in your life, uh, chemo and these things are, are, are going to be more difficult on you. If you, you know, you're leading a healthy life and you're taking good care of yourself uh, and something like this happens and you're diagnosed, you're going to be better prepared for it. Mm. Yeah. So how, if, if you were to kind of back up and look at the big picture, how has cancer impacted your perspective on life? Uh, oh boy, I could, get, I could get really kung fu philosophical here. Uh, <laughs> instantly, uh, things narrow. That's what I noticed. Um, what was small and petty in my life before evaporated. You know, it's like, wow, it took cancer, right? Um, you, that narrowing of focus, again, is a gift because you're, you're focused on things that really matter. Um, I, I know this sounds strange. I, I became a better husband. I've become a better father. Uh, I've become a better leader at work because of that narrowing of focus and understanding, again, uh, what, is, what is truly important. I felt like my life before, it's like those boxes with, that have all the, uh, the peanuts, right, that are in it. I felt like uh, that's what it was. I, I was in there, but I was surrounded by this stuff, these peanuts, and then cancer just eliminated all of that. So that part of it has been a gift. Um, it's been very interesting, um, my interaction with non-believers, mm. right? Um, and I, I'm, I'm praying that this, even this, will, that we can use it and share it in social media because, listen, I, I love the people in my industry. I, I, but it's, it's kind of like I'm, I'm Matthew, the, the, we're the modern-day tax collectors, right? <laughs> and so that's my field of work. Um, there, are, there are a lot of people who don't have a faith in God, and what cancer has done is they may have liked me before and said, you know, Tim, he's a pretty funny guy, a little bit wacky about Jesus, but, you know, I, I like him. But now they lean in, you know, when I'm talking. Now it's like as they watch you handle it as a believer, it's hard for them then to go, there's, there's something, you know, there's something to that. Um, also, I've noticed that the most awkward conversations that I have are actually with non-believers. And it dawned on me one day, well, they can't offer hope to me because they have none. Yeah. Right? I mean, what, what are they going to say? Right? I mean, let's say, you don't, believe in God, but you're going to cross your fingers and put them behind your back, and somehow that's going to transmit into my life and make something better. I appreciate the intent, right? So it's clumsy, um, and, and you realize this, and so I end up, you know, kind of bailing them out in that conversation because 
They can't say, I'm going to be praying for you. And if you can't say, I'm going to be praying for you, what are you going to do? I'm, I'm going to send positive thoughts your way. Well, what does that mean, right? So um, that's been another, another interesting thing. Um, you know, when you, when you I'm, I'm being treated at Vanderbilt, and, by the way, which is incredible, right? World class. And I remember the first time that I, I walked in, I parked in the parking garage, and you have to actually walk through the, by the children's um, hospital. Oh, this may be an Oprah moment, so I'm not sure I even want to go there, but um, that gives me perspective walking in, because when you see these families walking in with their children, you go, thank God that you proved this to come into my life and not my children. Allergies. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's in the air right now. Isn't it? Oh, man. Um, tell us, Tim, I mean, when you think about your life, however long it is, I mean, we, none of us know, right? Right, right. Uh, what do you want your legacy to be? I, I'm, you know, I, I'm not, aside from, from looking back over the past four years and kind of understanding God's work in my life, uh, you know, I'm not, I'm not one that, 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 that looks backward. And to me, legacy has always had this kind of a, a backward uh, tone to it. Uh, you know, if I, for instance, if I were to write my, a book about my time, you know, in mortgage banking and starting a company, it would, honestly, it would be 10,000 ways not to build a company, right? Um, everything that we do, see, it starts with the fact that God is far more interested, fellas, in our character than he is our comfort. Jeff and I were talking about this before we started. There's nobody in the Bible that is, did not go through suffering. Pick up Fox's Book of Martyrs and, and read about the violent deaths of the apostles. I mean, John's the only one who died of old age, and that was after, you know, they cooked him in, a, you know, in oil in 10W40, right? And he survived that, but but everyone, you know, my heroes, Joseph, Daniel, they all went through it. Um, cancer is just, I'm not mad at cancer, right? You see the stuff out there and, and it's, they'll use some vulgarity, you know, fill in the blank, cancer, you know, one of the word, letters in the alphabet. <laughs> um, I don't feel that way. Uh, cancer is simply a tool that God used to reshape me, to sand me down, to, to shape me in uh, the image uh, of his son. Mm -hmm. um, God is, is, is going to allow adversity into your life because he loves you. All right, now there are cases, there are times when, when, when God will use it to discipline us. But the vast majority of time, God's going to allow things in uh, it's almost a sandblaster to kind of to, to smooth you out. And and what, sooner you get to that, the more peace you're going to have. So I don't, I, Jeff, I don't have, I don't have, I, I understand that that's about my character. And my character, our character, fellas, we do not take into heaven our degrees, our business accomplishments. I'm not going to walk into heaven showing God my resume. 
What we take into heaven is our character. That's why God's so focused on reshaping us here. So God is God whether he heals me or not. And I look forward to um, my character being used in the millennial kingdom. That's where it's going to be. So, uh, listen, I, Lord, I just, in the millennial kingdom, those thousand years, just I, I really don't want anything to do with mortgages, all right? Make me a shepherd, whatever you want to do, but I, I'm just not interested in mortgage banking. So, I'm, I, the, 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 that's a long-looping answer to say I'm, I'm, I'm looking uh, forward. And Teddy and I were talking about this. He sent me a great verse, Matthew 25, 23. The master said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. That's what you want. And, and putting us in charge of many things is going to happen in the millennial kingdom. Yeah. yeah. Well, Tim, give us, give us two takeaways. I mean, you, you, in, in this battle, uh, in this adversity and suffering, give us two takeaways. What would you say for us as spiritual leaders, as husbands, as fathers, as, as men after God's heart? What would you tell us? Uh, I, on your tables and uh, in, in, in the, the other locations, hopefully the guys can pass these out. Uh, I've got a card, all right? So my takeaways are literally takeaways, <laughs> literally. So Teddy's going to pass them out here. Um, and I want to tell you a story about this, uh, and I'm going to actually show you. For years, one of my heroes is Chuck Swindoll. Love Chuck. And years ago, I listened to a sermon of his, way before I was ever diagnosed. Look how tattered this thing is. I mean, this has seen some mileage. And um, Chuck encouraged uh, people to write these down. And I did. I, I wrote these down. And he said, you know, put it in your wallet. I, I'm a money clip guy, so I put it in my money clip, right? And let me read this to you. Uh, Nothing touches me that has not passed through the hands of my Heavenly Father. Nothing. Whatever occurs, God has sovereignly surveyed and approved. We, we may not know why, but we do know our pain is no accident to him who guides our lives. Second, Everything I endure is designed to prepare me for serving others more effectively. Everything. Since my Heavenly Father is committed to shaping me into the image of His Son, He knows the ultimate value of this painful experience. It is being used to empty our hands of our own resources, our own sufficiency, and turn us back to Him, the faithful provider. And God knows what will, be, what will get through to us. So let me take a sip here. I don't want to... So the day I was diagnosed, I'm in that shock stage, right? And um, we walked into um, Sam's Club. Again, you know, gotta, doesn't matter, got cancer, yeah. gotta buy groceries, things got to still keep going forward. And, uh, you know, I'm doing my normal thing, making jokes, right, that my wife is not laughing at, right, trying to get through this. Uh, went to check out to pay, get my Sam's Club card out. You guys, I had had this in my money clip for years. Um, and uh, went to pay and pulled this out, you know. Um, uh, you know, it's a, it's a, I wish I really had a cool story about where I was instead of the checkout line at Sam's Club. But uh, God just nailed me, right, and, and said, hey, I got this. I got this. 
I'm not surprised. Wow. You know, God, God didn't, when I got diagnosed, didn't say, you know, I never saw that coming, yeah. right? So um, put this in a place, right now, some of the things that I'm saying, uh, you're not at that, at that point, right? Uh, some of this is going to stick and some of it isn't. But I'm going to tell you guys, there's going to be a point in the, let me use the right metaphor, the beach of your life, right? Tides coming in, the waves, where you're going to be hit by a wave that you're going to think is so unfair. You're, and, and whether or not you survive that wave, that rogue wave in your life, that adversity, if you are tied to this, if you are anchored to this, you can take the wave. If you can't, you're going to get washed away. So file that away, and when that moment comes in your life, I pray that the Holy Spirit has you at a checkout line at Sam's Club, or Co- uh, I shouldn't even say Sam's Club, yeah. I'm a Costco guy, at Costco, <laughs> right? And that, that you're reaching for that because you're going to need it. Yeah. You're going to need it. It's going to happen. Thank you for doing this. Yeah. Hey, thanks, uh, Nanette, from yeah. your staff, who actually yeah. had those uh, printed for me. Tim, I think we've got time for a couple of questions. Thomas? You... Let's do it. Um, Tim, how has cancer impacted the way you lead others, both at the office and your family? Uh, I'm sorry. Could, I couldn't yeah. hear that real well. How has cancer impacted the way you lead others, both at the office and in your family? Uh, in, the, in the company... I, you know, you, you, you don't want your identity. I, I don't want to be the cancer guy, right? Um, I just want to be dad, at, you know, at home. And I, I just want to be Tim with my, you know, responsibilities at work. But leadership, uh, to me, it, it, it's all about serving others. It is um, serving, not being served. Um, in my industry, the, the, the crazy thing about it is that there are companies out there who actually believe they can treat their employees bad and then expect those same employees to treat the customers well. The way I treat my staff is the way they will treat the customer. Always. So it's made me more of a servant uh, leader. Um, understanding you go through this type of uh, humility and all of a sudden people are praying for you it's humbling it's humbling it's it's humbling to be on the receiving end of it and so God uses that uh, to uh, enhance your leadership Um, at home you know there's a normalcy uh, with it again uh, you know, my, my children have found the humor in, in dad not, you know, having, having here. So, listen, it, it's a normal life except that, uh, you know, every three weeks right now I'm going and getting this go-go juice. Yeah. You know? yeah. And I love the way you said earlier, too, it gives you this different perspective, right? It removes those peanuts and you focus in on what's important. And yeah. you've really focused in on your, your wife and your kids and then the people at work, right? Yeah. It's not just the bottom line and the revenue and the profits, it's, it's the people. There's a sense of urgency there, Jeff. Mm-hmm. There's a sense of urgency. Um, you know, I pray that I, I, I live a long life, but that's up, that's up to, to God. Yeah. 
but you do feel, you know, listen, fellas, we're all terminal. Yeah. Life is terminal. Right? So it's a gift for someone to actually say that to you, that you have limited time, because you're, in terms of your evangelism, words matter, time matters. You don't know how much time you have with people, so you're, you, you tend to have, your conversations have more substance. Mm. And uh, the only thing that is eternal is, is God and his word. So, mm. hey, listen, I, I, I'm not interested in talking about the weather, right? I'm yeah. not interested in that stuff. I want to talk about Christ. Yeah. Right. Next question. Let's do one more here. Um, I'd like to skip to the third one. I don't know if we'll get that up on the monitor. Uh, I'm a good friend with a coworker who recently found out he is in his own battle with cancer. He's a quiet guy. I'm not sure how to engage with him on the topic. I want to offer support, but I'm not sure what to say. Having walked in his shoes, what do you, he- what do you want to hear from others? Mm, that's a good question. You know, there's kind of a, uh, there's kind of f- a fork in the road there. Um, you know, when you're diagnosed, you've got one of two directions you can go. You can get bitter or you can get better, right? Whether they're a non-believer, whether they're a believer or not, it's still the same choice. Um, so you want to encourage them down that path of better, right? Um, there's a, there's a lot of you know there's there's a lot of good books that that are, are have been written about cancer and and uh, what you need to do to change that internal uh, environment, but at the end of the day, what has meant the most to me is simply for somebody to say I'm praying for you. Mm-hmm. That's it. I mean, books are great, the suggestions are great, you know, but to be a, a, a friend to this person. Uh, to look them in the eye and to say, hey, uh, I just want you to know I'm going to be praying for you. Um, you know, there's practical things that you can suggest like the water, but usually people get bombarded with that stuff. And uh, everybody's got their, you know, Aunt Mabel's remedy and how they're going to solve it, right? Um, I just would want somebody to say, you know, I love you and I'm praying for you. Mm, wow. Yeah. Tim, this has been incredible, and uh, I just want to thank you for the example that you've been to me, the encouragement you've been to all of us, and I've watched your life, you know, and and to see you go through these six stages of grief from the shock, sorrow, struggle, submission, sanctification, but I've also seen this this service, and, you know, on Easter Sunday when you had the opportunity to baptize your family. No, it was great. I mean, (laughs) you know, and just think about that, and Ted and his family, I mean, you're having an impact on people for the glory of God. And I, I pray that we would all be like that and learn. And um, so thank you for your life and the way you live your life for Christ. So It's my pleasure to be here. Yeah. Thank you, Jeff. Let me pray for us right now. Father God, thank you for Tim. And God, I just pray a blessing over him. I pray you would wrap your arms around him. I pray you would give him strength, Father. And Lord, uh, we just love this man. And I love his family. And God, I thank you for... Bringing him here to church. I thank you, Father, for all the men that are here today. I thank you for all the men who are watching. I thank you for the men that are going to go back and watch this podcast. Because, God, in life, we will have trouble. And, and you told us that. Um, but you also said, take heart, you know, that you're with us and that you've overcome the world. And so I pray, Father, that our faith and our trust would be in you, in you alone, Lord Jesus. I pray that you would give us strength, Father, for what is to come. I pray as men 
that we would be um, godly in our character as Tim has challenged us today. And Father, not just to simply pursue the things of this world, but to understand that you're working in our hearts and our lives. And God, thank you for your presence this morning. Thank you for your truth. Thank you for your word. God, thank you that you're with us, that you're for us, God. And use every one of us, God, in the good times and in the suffering, God, to bring you glory. Thank you for Tim. And God, to you be glory forever and ever. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Tim. Uh, as we wrap today, I want to remind everybody that this afternoon you'll receive an email that will be the Men's Leadership Network Rewind email. It'll have a link to this podcast as well as a link to the other 25 podcasts uh, that, we, that we've had so far in the last couple of years. So if you've missed one, you want to catch up, we've got that out there as a resource to you. Okay, on your way out, make sure you grab an invite card. Next week will be our final week for this season. We'll have Steve Norris with us. Steve is the president of 413 Strong, uh, which is an organization focused on helping men rebuild their lives with Christ as the core. Steve is an amazing guy. He's got an amazing story. It's awesome to hear the transformation that he's doing in this, uh, in this ministry, so you don't want to miss that. Reminder, we'll have breakfast at 6.30, and we'll get going right at 7. Thanks for joining us.